Welcome to the 89th episode of the First Take Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Gaddy Cartagena, speaking with co-host Tyler Yarnell. Today we are joined by our good friend Evan Losell to talk about the future Alabama NFL draftees, Carson Wentz, and much more. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the First Take Fantasy Football Podcast. I am Gadiel. We have Tyler here. We also have special guest, one of our guys who actually plays in a dynasty league with us. Um, almost won the championship this year, I believe. Was a few points away from making it to the finals. Evan Sell. So, Evan, thank you for joining us today. I know it's been a really, really good sports year for you. Um, tell the people what teams you are a fan of. Well, you know, I've been rocking with the Buccaneers ever since, you know, we had freaking Ryan Fitzpatrick and everybody, you know, the orange uniforms. And it's also great to be from the state of Alabama, as it always is, the great state of Alabama, if I may. And, you know, it's just been a great year. And 2021 will be worse for me, unlike most people. <laughs> Yeah, you had the Bucks, you had the the Crimson Tide with literally, I mean, we could debate probably another day on this, but one of the, if not the greatest college offense of all time. Um, and a lot of players that I do want to talk about from that offense, because a lot of these guys are going to the draft. I mean, uh, off the top of my head, you got Mac Jones, uh, Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddle, um, Najee Harris. Did I already say Mac Jones? Mm-hmm. Damn, uh, I guess he's that good. Um Anybody else from that class that I'm missing, or is it really just those four that people want to talk about? Those are the four fantasy relevant players. Yeah, outside of that, I don't off the top of my head. Maybe there's some defensive players, but like uh, Pat Sertain and whatever. But the offensive side of the ball is something that I do want to talk about. So before we kind of get into the Bucks, congratulate you about that a little bit. Um, I do want to talk about Alabama here. So obviously, uh, I just want to get your thoughts on all four of the guys. So we'll start with Najee Harris. What are your thoughts on Najee? Well, a lot of people want to hit on him because he's going to be, what, 22, 23 by the time he gets drafted. Mm-hmm. But you're not drafting him to have a 20-year career like in baseball. You're drafting him to be a starting running back for the next six to seven years and a true workhorse. You know, you give him the ball 20 to 25 times a game. And there's just not many guys in the NFL that you can consistently put in the game and you know they're going to make a play when you give him the ball. Yeah, I, I agree. Tyler, your thoughts on Najee? Are you in agreement with Evan? Absolutely. I'm a, I'm a big fan of Najee Harris. You know, he's going to turn 23 March 9th, which I think is before the draft. So, um, you know, going into age 23, has some tread on his tires. But, you know, I think that he'll be he, – he's talented enough to be a, a high um, – a very good player – throughout like his rookie contract, depending on whether he gets drafted in the first or second round, I really don't care. But um, either way, I see him as the 1.01, if not the 1.02 in dynasty in rookie drafts, because like he, he's just far and away the, the bet, the best running back in this class. And like you said, Evan, like he's the one guy in this class that, you know, you can trust to be a workhorse, like no, no questions asked. So um, that's, that's really who I'm looking at as the number one, guy taken in rookie drafts if you're if you're in like a longevity league like where it's like been going on for a few years and you trust it'll go on for uh, a pretty long time maybe you can look at a guy like uh like a jamar chase or a devonta smith who probably will will have a longer career but 
you know, if you're in win now mode, the guy to look at is Najee Harris. And I don't think that there should be any debate about that. Yeah. Like if you ask me right now, gun to my head, who's going to be the best rookie running back from this class for the next five years, it's easily Najee Harris for me and where he lands, I think will have a bit of an impact because it always does on running backs. Like if you are in a good situation or if you're with a team that uses you the right way, then obviously you'll have more fantasy value. But there, there's so many different landing spots that you could just plug Najee in right now. He's easily the best running back on that team. And Evan, like you said, he can get like 20 to 25, maybe even 30 touches a game. And he can handle that because he's one of those dudes that is actually just built differently. Like what, 6'2", 230 pounds. Um, he's got the dreads, always cool. And he's just like ridiculously quick for his size. Like he has the full package receiving game. Uh, he's probably the, I'll say the second best receiving back in this class behind Kenneth Gainwell. Um, I know we all love Kenneth Gainwell here, so we'll maybe get into that a little bit. But I do want to talk about the other two receivers. So, um, Evan, obviously you love Jalen Waddle and Devonta Smith. Both, I imagine they both are near and dear to your heart as an Alabama fan. But in terms of who you believe will be better at the next level, who is it and why? Year one, it's definitely going to be Devonta Smith. You know, fresh off a of Heisman Trophy campaign. A lot of people knock him because he's 175 pounds, but, you know, it's not like he's playing nose tackle where he's going to get bullied off the ball. His job is to run routes, catch the ball, and score. And you look at who he did that against last year and the years before. I mean, cooking guys like Derek Stingley, who's supposed to be a transcendent cornerback. I mean, all the Alabama practice reports that he cooked Pat Sertain every single day. So, I mean, he's not going to lower his shoulder and run through everybody, but if you watch him play, He's just always open, no matter what. So tell me, tell me a little bit about Jalen Waddle as well. Jalen Waddle is just—he's such a fun guy to watch. I mean, you, we always talk about guys who can score from any position, and he is the absolute epitome of that. I'm not as high on him as a lot of people are. I just think, you know, he's—he's he's more of like a Tavon Austin type to me. And I personally try to steer away from those guys. He's not a prototypical receiver. But if I had to guess or give my prediction who would be the best receiver in five years or six years, I'd probably say that Devontae Smith has the better career. But I could easily see Jalen Waddle having like a 1,500-yard, 13-touchdown campaign. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. I think the player that I've compared Jalen Waddle to is Brandon Cooks. And someone who's I think is going to be a really, really good and valuable complimentary receiver at the NFL level. But when you look at Devontae Smith, what and I talked about it on the last podcast, too, what is most valuable to me is the fact that maybe Jalen Waddle outproduced him in terms of yardage and touchdowns or whatever when they were on the field together. But even with Jalen Waddle gone, Devontae Smith was able to take that role of like, 10 catches 150 yards every single game like he was that go-to wide receiver and we ended up seeing this offense become one of the best offenses in college football history with him as that go-to guy so I think that ability is definitely going to translate to the next level and it's not like this is new for Devontae Smith even with the class uh, a year ago when they had Jerry Judy Devontae Smith uh, Henry Ruggs Jalen Waddle all on the same team Devontae Smith still led that team in yards and touchdowns. Like he's just been that dude for a long, long time. And I'm pretty sure he scored the, the national championship winning touchdown as a, as a freshman. Correct me if I'm wrong. Like 
walk off touchdown like, second and 26 yes sir yeah like <laughs> people want to act like Devonte smith being this good is a fluke like no i just think he's been that dude for a long time he just wins differently than what i think a lot of people like to prototype as what succeeds in the nfl so i agree with you like he's got these long arms he's 6'1 175 but i don't really care so much about the weight like you just got to make sure that you don't have this dude running slants over the middle every single play so he doesn't get killed um let him run on the outside he's virtually unguardable off the line and at the t- he wins at the release and at the top of every route, and he's insane with contested catches. Like, I don't really know what there, what more there is. Um, Tyler, Waddle versus Smith, your thoughts? I think it's Devonta Smith by a landslide. I feel like Jalen Waddle's kind of the the wide receiver darling in this, this, this draft class. Like, I see a lot of uh, mock drafts kind of putting him in that, that mid-first round range. And, like, you know, I see the talent definitely like he has game breaking speed and he, he definitely takes the top off the defense, but I see him as more as a weapon as opposed to like an all around receiver. Like you, you mentioned it before, more of like a Brandon Cooks guy. I see a lot of Deshaun Jackson in his game. Mm-hmm. And I like you that. Know, I like that compliment. Deshaun Jackson is like, you know, he, he's a great player. He had, he had a fantastic career or he's had a fantastic career because it's still going, but <laughs> Dylan Waddle is, um, you know, he, he's not a complete receiver the way that Devonta Smith is. And that's who you're really looking to draft in that first round is the guy that you know you can rely on uh, with any route in, in the route tree. And I feel like Devonta Smith fits that to a T um, with his uh, regarding his weight. We've seen receivers, we've seen player, skill players in general that are smaller than Devonta Smith that have had pretty long careers and are still going. So uh, I'm definitely not worried about Devonta Smith. Maybe put on a little bit more weight if you, if you're really concerned about it, but like still he he's very polished as a receiver. I have no worries about him or his age. He's another guy that's going to be 22. I believe when he gets drafted. Him but, and Waddle. They're like this. They're people. People never talk about this. Jalen Waddle is literally the same exact age as Devonta Smith. Uh, I guess people are giving him credit for coming into college later. So like they're both 22. Jalen Waddle was a junior. Devontae Smith was a senior. But if Jalen Waddle was going into the draft next year at 23, then I think people would be up in arms about it. I guess they just don't like seniors as a whole. It doesn't work analytically yeah. speaking. Um, but like, I don't really think that matters. Like Devontae Smith is so freaking good. I have been watching college football for a very, very, very long time. And I don't remember the last time that there was a wide receiver that was pretty much the best and by far the best receiving threat on his team who was targeted virtually every single play like you knew exactly where Alabama was going to in the past game and Devontae Smith literally was just cooking everybody like the corner would more often than not be on the ground like he abused Sean Wade in the national championship game like that's just it, it's actually just unreal how good Devontae Smith is and he doesn't win with like size or speed or whatever he wins with intelligence he's one of the smartest college receivers that I think I have ever seen in my entire life so yeah I'm a huge fan of Devontae Smith um I guess that's a little bit of a hot take some people like to put him like I've seen him as low as wide receiver 10 in this class I don't know how the hell people can get to that Uh, I think he's definitely like a top three guy in this class the only person I think I would entertain an argument for going over him is Rashad Bateman because I'm a big fan of him as well but we talked about that last week um very very strong wide receiver class though um Evan Mac Jones do you think he has any chance to become fantasy relevant in the NFL I think Mac Jones people don't give him enough credit for what he did at Alabama it's you know the same knock that people gave to a well you know people say 
he's got all this talent around him. You know, that's why he succeeds. Well, in the NFL is the job to not give your quarterback receivers and <laughs> offensive line. Are you just going to say, go on, go play? No, I think Mac Jones, as much as a, he is sort of a product of Steve Sarkeesian's system, the system would not have worked as well if you had a Bryce Young or another quarterback in there. Um, <clears throat> Mac Jones, you look at him, people talk about with Tua, it's all instinct. Like he knows where the ball is supposed to go just by looking at a defense. Mac Jones relies more on processing speed. Like he goes through his progressions so quickly. I think he'd be a perfect fit. A lot of people have him going to San Francisco. Uh, some people have him going to the Patriots. And I think New England would be a perfect spot for him. He's an incredibly intelligent football player. And I think he, I think he becomes the second best quarterback in this class. Second best. I put him only behind Trevor Lawrence. Ooh, I listen. I like Mac Jones, the player. I would be okay with him going to the Patriots as a Patriots fan. I wouldn't prefer it if we took him at 15th. I feel like you can maybe trade back to try to take Mac Jones there. Um, but as you may know, we are the most pro Justin Fields podcast probably out of anybody out there right now. Like we love Justin it. Fields. So I, I'm a huge fan of Justin Fields, but we'll see what ends up happening. Like we're all entitled to our own opinion and then eventually someone will become right. So we'll see. Um, yeah, I, I think Mac Jones deserves more credit. But at the same time, I just wonder exactly what his ceiling is going to be in the NFL. Like, I think right now he's almost a carbon copy of what Kirk Cousins has been in the NFL, which is good. Like, when the situation is good around Kirk, Kirk is a really, really good quarterback that can get you into the playoffs. I have not loved Kirk my entire career, but honestly, I think I've matured to the point where like I can appreciate a guy who's producing year in and year out. And that's what Kirk Cousins has done. I think Mac Jones is very, very similar to that. Um, I just feel like the other guys in this class might have a little bit more upside. But like you said, I think the one thing that he has that is really elite is the processing skills. So that translates really well to the NFL. And if Mac Jones is able to just keep those processing skills as elite as they were in college, at an NFL level, then yeah, he's going to be a really, really productive quarterback. I personally don't know how I feel about him in fantasy. Um, Tyler, what are your thoughts on Mac Jones uh, potentially like being drafted in a rookie draft this year? Yeah, I mean, I'm not looking at him as a first round pick whatsoever, just because regardless, I'm going to be, I think regardless of landing spot, I'm going to be looking at the first four guys um, in rookie drafts as far as quarterbacks, Lawrence, uh, what's his face? Uh, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, and Justin Fields. That better not be in order. Oh, and it is not. I, I, you know I'm a Justin Fields number two guy. But, um, you know, Mac Jones, I more so look at him in the in the tier with uh, Kyle Trask. But, like, the more that I think oh, no. about it, I look, him, I look at him no. as – You didn't say that. Above, uh, Kyle Trask? Come on. Listen, I get Trask. it. I get it. You're a Gators fan, but there's no way. And we argued about this pretty much the entire year, actually. Do you think Mac Jones is a better quarterback than Kyle Trask? I, I, I do believe that he's a better quarterback, and that's what I was getting to. I think that Thank he's you. his own tier. Um, it's just that he's not he's not in the same tier as those first four guys. And that's not necessarily a knock on him. This is just a very solid quarterback class between um, those four guys. But um, you compared him to Kirk Cousins. I was going to say Jimmy Garoppolo with a better uh, deep ball. I think that he does have a very nice touch on his deep passes. 
And um, the processing speed is very good as well. My only not my biggest knock on him is his mobility overall, just like uh, moving throughout the pocket. Um, you know, he can be very stiff footed sometimes, but I'm not so worried about his floor. I think that he'll be a solid quarterback throughout uh, his career. Um, like you said, Gaddy, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit worried about his ceiling. Like if he can improve that mobility, if he can um, just develop into a better all around quarterback, um, that's, that's what really uh, worries about me and doesn't put me, doesn't have me put him into that, that top tier of quarterbacks in this draft. So um, I'm not really, it's really dependent on his landing spot. I don't think the first four guys really depend on their landing spot. I think for Mac Jones, to get that fantasy recognition in those rookie drafts, I think it it's going to depend on where he lands and uh, whether it's a, a situation where he comes in as the guy to from day one or if he's trusted to be the guy day one or if he's sitting back for a year learning behind a, a veteran quarterback. So uh, all those factors go into whether drafting Mac Jones is an option in rookie drafts. But um, even then, like, I really don't see him as more than like a late second, maybe uh, early third guy, just because he just I, I don't I don't see the upside that I see with the, these first four guys. Yeah, I, I can I can agree with that. I think uh, I think he's going to be pro ready. Like, I think wherever he shows up, he's going to end up being pretty good early on. It wouldn't surprise me if he had one of the better rookie seasons. But in terms of a full career, I would expect these guys at some point to kind of take a step ahead of him. But yeah, I mean, I like Mac Jones. Uh, I will never put him and Kyle Trask in the same conversation. I have not been doing that since the beginning of the year. Um, I'm glad that you've finally seen the light, Tyler, because I know as a UF homer, you banging the table for Kyle Trask. And I said, no, that is Nick Foles 2.0. Do not fall for that trap. Um, but yeah, I mean, we'll see what ends up happening with Mac Jones. He's been getting a lot of buzz recently. So we'll see where he ends up getting drafted. Uh, It'll be interesting if he gets that really high draft capital and maybe, I mean, sometimes he's got to look at the NFL and be like, Hey, maybe they got this one right. And we'll see what happens. Um, but actually I don't even want to talk about the bucks that much, Evan. I just want to congratulate you on the bucks winning the title. You are literally, I know you talked about earlier, but you're literally like the only bucks fan that I've known practically my entire life. And, uh, Listen, you took my Patriots quarterback and you helped him win another title. So I am also happy as well. Just want to say congratulations as a Bucks fan. Uh, your number one thought as to how you guys can keep this going moving forward. Well, thank you, Gaddyo. It's uh, it's been a long road, and uh, you know that YouTube that video of Tom Brady at the parade made it all worth it. <laughs> but the number one thing, I think, if you were watching the Bucks playoff run is the athleticism on the defense. And that's the one thing that kept them in games with the Chiefs. You watch guys like Devin White and Levante David be able to cover Travis Kelsey, drop into that deep middle when you're playing cover two. And that is probably the most important aspect of our defense and probably of our team. You know, offensive line, I think everyone's coming back beside Ryan Jensen, who will probably take a team-friendly deal. Um. You know, if Chris Godwin comes back, that'd be great. If not, I think Scotty Miller can step up. You know, Tom Brady elevates the guys around him. He always has. Him and Gronk are just a recipe for success. And, you know, if we bring back Shaq Barrett, Jason Pierre-Paul, that's another plus. You know, we go edge rusher in round one. I just think there's a lot of ways, as long as we keep the core of our defense, you know, that – um, the inside linebackers 
and deep safety, I think we'll be good. Yeah, I agree. Like this, this defense is so young too. They're just ridiculously young. Like, I don't know, outside of like Adamic and Sue, Levante David, I guess is what, like 29 years old. Um, 30. I think he'll be 30 by the time next season starts. Yeah, but he's also like been the most underrated linebacker forever in the NFL. Like he's been one Probably of those since dudes. He was drafted. <laughs> Literally forever. He's always been amazing. So um, I would have to say right now, I mean, we don't know what moves teams are going to make and whatever, but I think the Bucks are definitely still probably the number one contender to make it back to the Super Bowl. Like I might take them over uh, the Chiefs, although I don't know exactly what the competition is going to be like in the AFC, but I could see a team like Buffalo uh, kind of taking a step forward again next year. And outside of the Rams, I don't see, I mean, the Packers as well, I guess, but I don't see too much competition uh, for the Bucks in terms of top tier guys. You kind of got rid of the Saints as a competitor this year, you kind of just, and you ended the New Orleans Saints this year with that win in the playoffs. So that was obviously really cool. Um, I do want to get into the Carson Wentz conversation because Carson Wentz was traded. Um, I do want to talk about his fantasy value, but initial thoughts on the trade, Tyler, what do you think uh, for the Colts and the Eagles? What are your thoughts? You know, giving up a conditional second and a third round pick for Carson Wentz, I don't think it's, Necessarily, it's. It, I think it's a pretty solid deal for both sides. Um, the condition is uh, whether Carson Wentz plays seventy-five percent of the snaps or seventy percent, and they make the playoffs. So basically, if Carson Wentz is good enough to be on the field for a playoff team, then he's going to be, or it's going to turn into a first-round pick. And if that happens, then I think it's worth it for the Colts. If he's able to elevate this team into a playoff team, then. Um, then good for good for Frank Reich. They they hit on Carson Wentz. Possibly uh, the upside for the the Colts is getting a franchise quarterback for like a first round pick and a third round pick on a rel- like a solid deal. I think it it still has four years left on it, maybe three. Mm-hmm. But um, f- Carson Wentz's best success came when Frank Reich was his uh, his offensive coordinator, I believe. Yes. Um, and he was running a lot of RPO and they, they seem to have a very good relationship. And ever since he had left, it doesn't, it hadn't seemed like he, he's really been himself. So I think that Reich is really uh, banking on Wentz being, or banking on himself to make Wentz the guy that he was in 2017. And if it works out, it, it great. Like you, you gave up a first round pick for uh, I mean, a middle first round pick for a guy that is, probably well worth more worth more than that. So um, I think that it's a win-win for both sides. I think that uh, the Eagles, you know, they, they could possibly get some draft capital to, to move up into the draft and take another quarterback. Or if they just trust Jalen Hurts, they can just draft a receiver at six and then keep their, their, uh, their draft capital for the future. But, you know, I think it, it worked out for both sides. Yeah, definitely did. Evan, thoughts on this trade? I mean, as a Carson Wentz owner in our dynasty league, <laughs> I dropped him and then I had to trade back for him. I mean, it's just you hope that he can get back to that 2017 where he was going to be the MVP had he not gone down with an ACL in week 14 or wherever it was. And Frank Wright being the coach when he had that breakout season, I think is a big part of why people are thinking the Colts are going all in. Um, In terms of actual football, I don't know how I feel about him. You know, 
in the NFL, guys have one breakout year, and then that's pretty much what you need to make a living for the rest of your career, especially <laughs> as a quarterback. Yeah. Um, he does have the potential we've seen to elevate a team, but, you know, as people always say in the NFL, potential gets coaches fired. So <laughs> it's just – it's a big risk. I mean – Yeah. It's a huge, huge risk. Like – because if Carson Wentz doesn't pan out, then you have a long-term contract, which you can cut him, and I believe it's two years, like 2023, you can cut him. Uh, 2022? Uh, I'm looking at it right now. If they want to cut him after this year, it's zero dead cap. Oh, that's true, because the Eagles paid literally $30 million of it. Yeah, because they're taking that cap it. So it's really – there's really minimal risk for the Colts. So yeah, if, it, if it doesn't hurt, then, like, you give up a second-round pick, depending mm-hmm, That's on, very true. So honestly, yeah, so. yeah, I mean, I guess it does make sense for the Colts from a value perspective uh, because you're getting a cheaper quarterback and you have financial freedom with that quarterback. Um, but if Carson Wentz does pan out and get back to that 2017 form, this team has a lot of similarities, at least defensively, to what the Tampa Bay Bucks have right now in terms of a very, very athletic, dominant front seven. And then you have a coach that, knows how to maximize his defensive backs and they have some pretty decent corners that I think are underrated. Like Kenny Moore, I think is actually really good. Uh, Rocky Asin as well as a very physical corner. So they have kind of the similar blueprint to that Bucks defense. And then if you get the offense working, I mean, you need a left tackle, but if you're able to get a left tackle, then you have one of the best offensive lines in the NFL. You have Jonathan Taylor, who's one of the best up and coming running backs. He's also very, very cheap. Um, I think it could really work out for the Colts. Like they, if Carson Wentz goes back to 2017 form, this team is a Super Bowl contender. I don't really, I mean, do you think that's a stretch to say? I mean, if you have an MVP on your roster, you're probably Super Bowl contender. So, well, not even like he doesn't need to win the MVP, but if let's say he gets back to like, yeah, like, like 4,000 yards, 30 touchdowns, maybe 10 interceptions, is this team a Super Bowl contender? I mean, I think that they need to add another receiver or um, I, I just don't know if T.Y. T- Hilton is that number one guy anymore. What you know, if they if, get Allen Robinson? I, I think Allen Robinson would be a great addition to this team. Um, you know, you have Michael Pittman Jr. who's a young guy. I don't know if you can trust him as a number one guy yet. Maybe you can, but, um, you know, I, they have the run game. They have the offensive line. They have to fill up the role of the the left tackle with Anthony Consanzo getting a or retiring. But um, you know, you still have a very good offensive line. The defensive line. I mean, the defense is pretty much set. I don't know if they have any significant uh, free agents besides Xavier Rhodes. Yeah, they're really really young, and like yeah. Xavier Rhodes can go. Yeah, they're, he, they're, he, they're built very similarly to the Bucks on defense. Like they have a lot of guys that they just hit on draft picks over and over and over. Their front seven is very solid, and it's it's like you said, it's very young. So, um, if Carson Wentz can play at a high level and elevate this team the way that Philip Rivers couldn't, I mean, they're a Super Bowl contender. Like they went <clears throat> with old ass Philip Rivers. Like they they went head to head with the Buffalo Bills, who I think are a pretty good team. So, um, if if Carson Wentz can elevate this team and they can add another receiver to this roster, I think that they could definitely get into the Super Bowl conversation with the Buffalo Bills with the Kansas city chiefs. And I don't think I'm forgetting anybody. Yeah. That's, I mean, maybe the Browns, if they figure things out defensively. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, I agree. Evan thoughts. Can they, can the Colts be a super bowl contender if Wentz is the guy? I don't think they're just Carson Wentz away. 
from being a Super Bowl contender. Like you said, if they get an Allen Robinson, maybe a Juju Smith-Schuster to be that number one guy. But if you look at Philip Rivers' stats, he didn't have a terrible year last year. I think it's like looking at his stats, it makes sense. I think it's more just like schematically, the same way that people played the Saints. Like you just know Rivers isn't beating you over the top anymore. So just having the threat of Carson Wentz being able to throw the ball more than 15 yards is definitely going to help them. But anyways, continue. Absolutely. That was, that was going to be my point. You, if you look at the stats, 4,000 yards, 24 touchdowns, like 10 interceptions, those aren't bad numbers, but it was just, is he going to push the ball vertically down the field? You know, their only two options were throw it to Jack Doyle or just give it to (laughs) Jonathan Taylor and hope that he can score. Yeah, it's, it's tough for the Colts. But I think, or it was tough for the Colts this past year with Philip Rivers because, like, you brought him in. But I guess he served his purpose. He got them to the playoffs. He was a bridge quarterback. And now they have their guy. So we'll see what ends up happening. Um, In terms of fantasy implications, I don't really know much about the Colts side. I think everyone pretty much stays the same until we see something from Wentz. But from the Eagles side, I just think it's going to be a very fun offense. Like Jalen Hurts, Miles Sanders, Zach Ertz is expected to be traded. Alshon Jeffrey is going to get released. So there's going to be a ton of opportunity in Philadelphia. But um, before we close out, I want to get to this part, and we can kind of debate on this. I want to rank the sophomore running backs. So the Jonathan Taylor, DeAndre Swift, Cam Akers. Uh, uh, I'm blanking out. Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Uh, James Robinson. James Robinson. and uh, Keyshawn did say, Vaughn. Did you say Keyshawn Vaughn? Yeah, well, he, we're not going to rank him. Dobbins. <laughs> Slot him in. Oh, Dobbins, Dobbins. Okay, so, like, the, I mean, you guys know the guys that I'm talking about, right? Yeah. So, who would you say is the number one in terms of dynasty assets? Who is the number one running back from this class going into next season? It's got to be Jonathan Taylor. Like, I don't think there's really any question about that. We saw the season that he put up last season. Um, I mean, if you if you kept up with Jonathan Taylor throughout the season, you know it wasn't uh, very fun to watch um, for the first half and, like, frankly, the three quarters of the way. But you saw the potential that he has in that that those final, I think it was four games of the fantasy mm-hmm. season, maybe five games of regular season. What really ignited it was the the Packers game, and then he just took off from there. I think that he he probably got about, like, 40% of his production in those last four games. And I think he finished as, uh, as an RB one in the season. So uh, considering that he was pretty much a committee running back for most of the season, and then just went off as a, as a workhorse through those last four games, I think that uh, it goes to show how talented he is and how, how big his booms can be as a, as a, as a fantasy player. So um, again, behind this offensive line, with Carson Wentz possibly elevating this team. I don't think, I think that Carson Wentz, um, regardless of how well he plays, he's going to be better than Phil Rivers. I don't, I mean, I, that's just how I feel. I just think that he's a more talented player at this point of his career. So um, yeah, I mean, I, I trust Jonathan Taylor as the top guy in this, this, um, this 2020 uh, running back class. So uh, looking- that's how I feel about it. Looking at Jonathan Taylor's, uh, so you said from the Green Bay game, which is exactly when he turned it on in week yeah. 11, and then he missed week 12 where they had a bye. But in those six games, if you take those six games and you you extrapolate them to 16 games, oh boy. his pace was 317 carries, 
1,976 yards, 19 touchdowns, 43 targets, 37 receptions, 256 yards, and three touchdowns. So, Derrick Henry. Those are college football numbers. That, that, I mean, that that's what he like, did every year in college. That, that sounds like exactly what he did uh, from, like, 2016 to 2019. It's, it's crazy. So, yeah, I mean, I Evan, any objections there? Is Jonathan Taylor the number one guy in this class? I mean, he has to be, you know. How many guys are going to get the ball 300 times? And it's not like his role changes any. Like, Naheem Hines isn't going to run inside zone seven times a game. So, <laughs> Yeah, it's 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 got to be JT. It's got to be JT. But I think number two is where you start to get a little bit of interesting debate. Um, we can debate on this. Evan, who would be your number two guy from this class? Personally, I've got to go with – I think it's got to be James Robinson. Ooh, interesting. That's my personal take. You know, you look at J.K. Dobbins. He's never going to be the number one running back. Lamar Jackson's the number one running back. You know, I hate to say it. Uh, you look at DeAndre Swift. He's a guy who probably most people are going to put as their RB2, as I imagine you are, Yadiel. But, I mean, I'm still a believer in on Johnson. Mm. And, you know, Glenn Campbell, it sounds like they're going to run the ball like 85 times a game. So, I think James Robinson, he showed a lot of talent. You know, I don't know how he went undrafted. But, you know, you look at who else they have on their roster to compete with him, it's nobody. You know, he's a – I wouldn't say he's a three-down running back. I would he say he is. I would say he's a three-down running he's back. Capable. He can catch the ball, but he's not a guy you're going to target on third down. So, I I could see them putting Chris Thompson in the game more next year. You know, Urban Meyer likes his speedy guys, you know, the Paris Campbells and those guys. But I think James Robinson is absolutely a workhorse running back. Yeah. I mean, I can't really argue with that. Like, everything we saw last year – um, the only player that I want to put James Robinson over is pretty much Clyde or just Hilaire. Like, I think James Robinson is just a better version in terms of fantasy of, than Clyde or just Hilaire. He's just Clyde or just Hilaire with a 5'10", 225-pound 220 frame. So, yeah, I mean, I can't argue with that. My only thing – I think the draft and free agency is going to be very telling for James Robinson because if they don't take a running back in the draft – and they don't sign anybody noteworthy, then it is completely possible James Robinson goes for 350 touches next year, and it's not going to be in an offense with God knows what at quarterback. It is going to be next to Trevor freaking Lawrence. So, yeah, that definitely has an impact. I think uh, James Robinson, for me, I think would probably be right next to J.K. Dobbins just because I think Dobbins is the better player, but J.K. Dobbins is another player that is very questionable as to what his workload is going to be, but yeah, I think that's where I would have him. But like you said, I think there's there's a tier one for me, at least. There's a tier one, tier two of about three guys. And then there's tier three. And I think James Robinson would be there with Clyde Artur-Tolaire and J.K. Dobbins in this class. Tyler, your thoughts on James Robinson? Yeah, I personally have him as the fourth best running back in this class. I Or as far, wait, fifth best running back uh, as far as Dynasty in this in this. Uh, past 2020 class um obviously i mentioned jt uh behind him i'd go with k makers i just think that uh he's in a very good offense i think that matthew stafford is going to make them a lot better compared to deandre swift i would just rather be a part of that that los angeles rams offense compared to uh the detroit lions and i do think that deandre swift is a better player but 
the margin between uh, talent level between those two players isn't as uh, significant as the the difference between talent or just being a better team between the Rams and the Lions. So um, I think that he's going to have more scoring opportunities with the Rams. I think they're going to trust him as the workhorse like they did um, for that last quarter of the season, the same way that the, that the Colts did with Jonathan Taylor. So I think that Akers has a big season next year. Uh, DeAndre Swift, uh, like I said, I think is the second, maybe the, the most talented running back in this class. The only issue is that he plays for the Detroit, Detroit Lions behind an average offensive line, uh, working with Jared Goff, and God knows who, who their receivers are going to be. Like, it's going to be TJ Hawkinson and Hawkinson, and nobody knows what's going to be, who's going to be the, the wide receivers. So a lot of uncertainty with the, with the Lions. I think that, you know, DeAndre Swift has a talent to take, like, like 300 touches and just be, just be a target hog in this offense. Um, I think it was maybe Dan Campbell who said that he wanted to put uh, have DeAndre Swift line up, line up in the slot, which is mm-hmm. pretty interesting. So um, if he uses them as versatile as that, he could definitely uh, end up being above Cam Akers as far as uh, production next year. Um, behind Swift, I have Antonio Gibson. I think that, you know, he, he displayed that he can be a three down uh, workhorse in the NFL. And I think that the Washington football team, I, I believe that they're going to upgrade the quarterback position this offseason, whether it be like a Sam Darnold or uh, solving the problem through the draft. I think that they're going to they're going to play for the playoffs again this uh, this next season. Like they made the playoffs last year yeah. and out of the NFC East. And I feel like a lot of people forget about that. So um, I think that Antonio Gibson is going to be a big part of the offense next year. He's a guy that they trust. Um, you know, you talked about it all, all season, Gadio, like Scott Turner loved Antonio Gibson. And, you know, we saw that throughout the season because he was he was trusted as a workhorse during that second half of the season. So, uh, honestly, frankly, throughout the season. So, uh, that's why I see as the number four. And then James Robinson, um, you know, it's destined that he's going to be and uh, paired next to Trevor Lawrence. And personally, I don't think that – the the Jaguars will end up spending significant draft capital on a running back this this season if um, you know they have James Robinson who just had I think he had 300 touches this past season uh, so close to it yeah so there's really no use in spending significant draft capital if you know you have a guy in your in your backfield that can be trusted with that and he has two more years on his contract so there's really no use to to deal with that issue now. Like he's a workhorse. He's a three down guy. He can catch passes out of the backfield. He's not the most ideal third down running back, but you know, you can get that in the fifth round or you can just keep Chris Thompson with like pick your poison. So uh, I think that James Robinson is still going to be the guy. I do have questions about the overall, um, how well this offense is going to be in urban Myers first year with Trevor Lawrence as a rookie quarterback. Um, you know, you have DJ Chark on the outside, LaVishka Chanel on the outside. I just don't think that they're going to be, I think that, uh, the Washington football team's a little further ahead, uh, than the Jacksonville Jaguars, as far as an offense, as far as a team. So, um, that's kind of why I put Gibson over James Robinson. I also think that, um, I, I think they're about equal in talent between Gibson and James Robinson. I think that they, they do little, they both do different things, but as far as overall impacts their team, I think they're about equal. So um, maybe Gibson's a better pass catcher. So that's more, uh, that's more 
that's better for PPR. So, um, yeah, that's where I have James Robinson about number five ahead of Dobbins, because like you said, he's always going to be in a committee. He's not going to be that pass catcher with Lamar Jackson. So uh, that really hurts his ceiling. But, um, you know, he's always going to have that touchdown upside, given that he's going to be in this rod heavy offense with Lamar Jackson. So it has its, pro- it has its pros and cons, but I, I just I think that James Robinson has the RB1 potential that I think that the probability of James Robinson being an RB1 is higher than uh, J.K. Dobbins. So that's just that's where I have him in uh, amongst those those 2020 backs. Yeah, I could. I, I definitely agree with that last statement. I think uh, between Gibson and James Robinson, I think Gibson is a far superior talent. I'm also much I've always been much higher on Gibson than most people. Um, even going back to like last year's draft and before the draft, like, you know, I've Tyler, you know, I've loved Gibson for Absolutely. a very, yeah. <laughs> very long time. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I think this class, like in terms of the way that I break them, I think tier one is Jonathan Taylor, just because he has everything going for him right now. Tier two, I have, I agree with you. It's acres, Swift Gibson tier three is for me, uh, James Robinson, Dobbins, and then CEH. And that's not a disrespect to any one of those tier three guys. Like, I think they're all really, really good at football. Um, But some of the things about their situation make me wonder if they can really end up becoming that elite. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if at the end of round three, the Jaguars decided to draft a guy like Michael Carter out of UNC. And then he's the third down back. James Robinson's kind of the one, two down grinder. And that's what they do over the next three years. Um, just make things easier on James Robinson too. Like they just need a better backup. Like you can't throw out Dare Agumbawale and think that everything's going to be okay because <laughs> now you have Trevor Lawrence, who's supposed to be a franchise guy. Like you want to get cheap depth in good positions so you can really just go all out and spend a lot of money on star power. Because if Lawrence is really good, you've kind of had some okay. You had an okay draft last year. Like two years ago, you had a decent draft. Um, you can start to try to build something special in Jacksonville, but obviously you can't do that if you're investing a lot at the running back position. So maybe just like a third round pick, maybe a fourth round pick is what I expect. If they take someone in round one or round two, fire the whole front office. It's not worth it. And uh, Trevor Lawrence is going to be in trouble. But um, so I guess we kind of talked about the end of that class a little bit. Um, Evan, I want to get your opinion on Keyshawn Vaughn. We mentioned him earlier, but do you think there's any hope left for him? Or is he kind of just someone that it's like sort of a waste of a pick? I mean, in 10 or 12 team leagues, he might be worth a stash in Dynasty. But you're talking about a guy who lost out on an opportunity to LaShawn McCoy, who's 33. (laughs) So I don't know how much hope there is for Keyshawn Vaughn. I mean, he looked really good coming out of Vanderbilt, but he was also the only player on Vanderbilt worth anything. So, you know, don't give up on him yet. You know, it could be just the system he's behind. Whether or not they bring back Leonard Fournette is a big decision and whether I would keep Keyshawn Vaughn. But for me, he's kind of just another name on the roster. Yeah, he's not someone like, even if he does get, I mean, I guess opportunity is really everything in fantasy, but he's not someone that if, I think if he gets like, let's say if if Ronald Jones got hurt, Leonard Fournette left in free agency and Keyshawn Vaughn for some odd reason is the only running back left on the roster. He gets like 15 touches or 15 carries, five catches. I don't think he's doing anything with those 20 touches that keeps them from getting another running back. Like, I just don't think, like to me, he's really just a guy, uh, it just happens with those guys that are drafted like late round three. It's just kind of tough sometimes for them to separate themselves. So yeah, I'm not, I'm not all in on Keyshawn Vaughn. Um, 
I'm stashing him in Dynasty, but like it's only really to sell him eventually. I shouldn't say that out loud because I'm in a league with both of you. But um, <laughs> if, if if Leonard Fournette leaves and maybe Rojo isn't trusted and Keyshawn Vaughn gets like 30, 45% of the work, and then maybe you have a little bit of a dynasty asset. And at that point is when I would sell. Um, I don't think it should be sitting on free on waiver wires until after the draft. If they draft a pass catching running back or if they sign a pass catching running back in free agency, then you can go ahead and drop Keyshawn Vaughn. That ship has sailed. But if they don't, Keyshawn Vaughn has a chance to be the third down guy in Tampa Bay. Um, but I do want to talk about the last guy. And Tyler, I know you are a big fan of his, so I will let you talk about him. And then we can kind of debate. The last guy, A.J. Dillon. What are your thoughts for him going into next season with the rumors that Aaron Jones is not coming back to Green Bay? Yeah, and I don't expect Aaron Jones to come back just because, you know, you're – if he's coming back, he's going to be back on a, what, like a 13 to $15 million per year contract. And I just don't see the the Packers doing that when they just spent a second round pick on Aaron or AJ Dillon. So uh, I think that he has a lot of upside this year. I, it, he's still uh, a, quite a mystery as far as like whether he can build consistently uh, consistency from a game to game basis but uh, he's going to be trusted with the workload for the most part. I mean, I, I expect them to resign Jamal Williams to kind of be that third round, that third round or third down back. Sorry. Um, but AJ Dillon is going to be the, the first down, second down guy. They still have a very solid offensive line. Aaron Rodgers is playing at, at as good a football as he ever has. So uh, hopefully he can keep that up and uh, kind of lift AJ Dillon's ceiling. I can see him get into that double digit touchdown territory personally. Oh, yeah. um, it, it's just a matter of getting getting the full workload and being like a 250 or 275 to 300 touch guy is the question of whether he's going to be like a like a high RB2, low RB1. But uh, I think that he has the upside to do that personally. I think that he ends up being like a mid to low RB2 just because uh, Jamal Williams is probably going to take a lot of the, the pass catching duties. Uh, but if he's trusted with the, the pass catching stuff, and uh, gets to that that 275, 300 touch uh, territory, he's going to be uh, very fantasy relevant this upcoming season. Yeah, the, the player that I like to compare A.J. Dillon to in terms of what I think his fantasy value is going to be next year is actually Ronald Jones. I think he's going to be a similar asset to Rojo where he's going to be like, uh, he'll have some good weeks, some bad weeks. He'll be pretty inconsistent because the workload is going to be very game script dependent. But at the end of the day, you're going to be looking up and you're going to have a guy that goes for like 1,200 yards. And um, how many touchdowns did Rojo go for? Uh, he had like he had touchdowns eight, rushing. Uh, seven touchdowns rushing, eight this year. Like I could definitely see A.J. Dillon getting a little bit more just because the Packers like to run the ball in the red zone. But yeah, I'm like, I think A.J. Dillon is going to be a guy that gains a lot of value from now until the end of next season. And then I don't really know what his ceiling will be because I don't think he's much of a three-down guy. I think he's still a one-two-down guy. Evan, what do you think A.J. Dillon's ceiling is going to be in terms of next year? I agree with Ty where I could see him as a high RB2 potential. You know, people don't understand. That's a big dude at 250 pounds as a running back. You know, he's with uh, most linebackers being in the 230 range. You know, Even guys like Darius Leonard, who are some of the better linebackers in the league, I think he weighs like 227. So he's just an absolute monster you know he posted a video recently on snapchat saying he was the real he had the real best quads in the league so i think 
just on that video alone, RB1. you got to realize that this guy believes in himself. The Packers obviously believe in him enough to let Aaron Jones walk. And, you know, Aaron, as long as he gets Aaron Rodgers' stamp of approval, I, I can't see him really get being a 300-touch guy. But somewhere around like 210 to 225, mm-hmm. that's enough carries to have a great season. Yeah. Imagine getting less touches than your body weight. Christian <laughs> <laughs> McCaffrey would never. That's all I can say. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I agree. It's 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 gonna be interesting to see what AJ Dillon happens or what what he does next year. Tyler, I know you like way overdrafted him in, in our dynasty league. You took him in what like the seventh round? Yeah, let's not talk about it. Over Kareem Hunt. <laughs> I guess you're playing the long game. But I mean, hey, you know, sometimes it works out to play the long game. I'm playing the long game. That's why I have a few young guys on my team right now, and I'm holding on to Keyshawn Vaughn. Playing, playing the long game for sure. So, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. We're going to be back next Thursday. Evan, thank you for joining us. Always welcome to come on the podcast. We'll see yes, what ends up happening in free agency and whatnot. Uh, but I'm, I'm a believer in the Bucks. I'm excited to see these Bama kids come into the NFL and once again light it up. Once again, thank you. And any closing words for the audience? Roll Tide, baby. That's all I got to say. We'll be right back in and next year. Of Thank course. you guys for having me. Of course. That wraps up our podcast with Evan Losell. If you don't follow us already, make sure to follow us on Instagram at First Take Fantasy, where we are posting rookie spotlights, coaching impacts, and tons of dynasty content to keep you prepared for the NFL draft and free agency this offseason.